Hello, good day, Maggie King. It seems like forever since I spoke to you. It's been too long, Dad. It's been too long, and uh, yeah, almost a a whole day. (laughs) A day too long. (laughs) It's been a day too long. The reality is it's been less than a day, but for the sake of this recording, it's been a day. And if you listen to these things, it's in the wrong order, maybe the time-space continues jacked up. That being said, hey, uh, my name's Chris King. I am stuck in my head. This is part two of our discussion with Kristen Hale with Connect and Restore regarding young people and anxiety and depression. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, another thing that you give energy to, you do a lot of neurofeedback. I think you do some brain mapping, some stuff like that. I'm interested to hear in some brain takes, and I want to say, I want to lead the discussion with a couple of items. One, we're talking about uh, in, enhanced and even broadened age ranges for anxiety and depression in kids. And what is it that we and families can do about it? What, how do we recognize it? And one of my questions was, is it, you know, is it that our, our millennial kids are being raised on the Internet? And, and that's a, a, a thing that many people debate. And there's a lot of research about these days, too. I, I, I did in the early 2000s. Um, I feel like fairly successfully raised my kids with an iPad. Um, and I actually duct taped one to a remote control car so I wouldn't have to get out of the out of my recliner um, so I could keep my kids, <laughs> keep my kids entertained. Um, with uh, an iPad, um, sad and awesome. Yeah, well, well, that you know, was so great. That's, yeah, I'm both we're, jealous and we've been working on a, curri- a curriculum at at our at our site that involves those kinds of strategies. But it's not it's anecdotal. There's not a lot of research. <laughs> um, but uh, but I but I, I really am interested because you know we would call ourselves like some of us are certified in in various sorts of uh, uh, trauma informed techniques and and philosophies and therapy. And so I'm kind of curious of what you, what you've come to learn in the last few years, just about how kids brains work and what you guys are doing that might be helpful there. Yeah. I, I'm super passionate about this. And the really great thing about what I do is that I'm able to see tangibly what's going on in someone's brain. And so when I look at a brain map, I'm like, okay, there's actual evidence of maybe I'm experiencing anxiety or depression. Not that their report wasn't enough, but I'm actually seeing the reasons why. And so one of the things I'm working on right now is a QEG certification, and, and that will allow me to be certified to write reports and to do on brain maps. But uh, as part of that training, one of the things I recently learned is that our alpha brain waves, and alpha is the type of brain wave that our brain produces when we're on our game, when we're the most calm and most alert we can be. And of course, what we do and when we read a brain map is we compare them to these large databases of what normative brains do. And so what I learned that I've really thought about a lot and have shared with parents a lot is that 20 years ago, our normative databases showed different amounts of alpha waves in their in brains across the board, meaning mm-hmm. that as a society, we were calmer, more able to stay focused. And 
they are showing now in the normative databases that our brains are producing less and less and less alpha, meaning that our brains have, as a society, less capacity to stay calm. And so one of the ways that we address that is going back to the moments in life where we do nothing. We are constantly integrated with in an, or inundated with information all the time, to your point of being on the phone, all the time. Our frontal cortex is overactivated all the time. We're intaking information. If you go into a doctor's waiting room, everybody's on their phone. Nobody's right. just yeah. sitting quietly. Right. And so we're missing those big segments of our society that even I remember as a kid, you know, we had maybe one hour of TV a night and then we ran outside and played. And right. there was not this constant inundation with information. And so what happens is when we get all this information and we're constantly doing that, our frontal cortex becomes overactive and our alpha waves diminish. And so we're not able to stay calm and alert. So the actual state of calm, when I do neurofeedback for people, sometimes they'll say, I'm so tired. And I'm like, no, you're actually calm. You just don't know mm. what that feeling is. It's a oh, new yeah. feeling for you. And so that's one thing that I see a lot of is I'm just seeing over aroused brains, brains that never have a break from things. And so spending time just sitting outside on your porch and drinking coffee or spending time in nature or doing things where you just are quiet for a long period of time. That's a new thing that we're not doing anymore. That's something that our ancestors or, you know, even my parents did that we're not doing anymore. And so it's contributing from a brain standpoint to anxiety. So, you're, Kristen, you're talking about sort of that that collective space that where we're not as calm as a society. And I, I'm a little curious kind of about I tend to call it like homeostatic spaces and meaning what you're used to, like mm-hmm. neurologically. By, uh, from a biological standpoint, from a relational standpoint, um, what you're used to. You know how, how we have a ton of people that are, come out of sort of traumatizing experiences and chaotic experiences. And whenever they do calm, um, it's not good. Like right. it's, they're waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know what I mean? And so then that, that whole self-sabotage vibe becomes a, a, a bit of a cycle because – their brain, their normative state is chaotic and, 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 um, protective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I will say that that's one of the things I really like about neurofeedback in that when you, when you're trying to access calm, when you haven't had that experience, even mm-hmm. when you get there, or if you can get there, it's not the same state as your brain actually feeling calm all the Mm -hmm. time. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I really love is neurofeedback in the way that we do it, at least it actually gives a a client the body sensation of what it feels like to feel calm. And Mm -hmm. so they, they're, they're able to see the differences in heart rate and respiration and, and their overall feeling of their body being relaxed. I've had clients describe it as saying, oh my gosh, this is better than a massage. And I do massages Mm. all the time, but it's, it's that deep state of relaxation. And so to your point, if they've never been able to access that a different way, they're like, oh, this is actually possible for my body uh, to feel this. And so that's a really um, disconfirming experience for them because uh-huh. they think that they've done calm before. Yeah. But when they actually feel that state, it's different. And so when we when we use neurofeedback to do that, that's one of the benefits of it. Um, 
Kristen, what is it that you're uh, that you're most excited about working on like these days? You know, you're going into the office and you guys are doing stuff or even just person what you're um, what's giving you energy. You know, I have a lot of things. I'm kind of one of those people that has fear of missing out on everything. Like I, <laughs> I, I have a million certifications because not because I'm an overachiever, just because I like learning that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I. I really right now I'm spending a lot of time. I'm really focusing on neurofeedback and the power of that. But then the thing that has me most excited right now is actually a kind of an endeavor that we're adding to our practice. I'm working with my husband on and it's working with athletes and Mm -hmm. high performers. And so we have uh, in our own family noticed kind of the spillover that we've been talking about in general society into kids who are high performing athletes and the even with more isolation and no one to talk to and uh, huge performance standards we've seen of course you know the nil changes in the athletic world where kids are getting access to money to be able mm-hmm. to, to play uh, and the pressures that come with that. And so my husband and I are both are working on a certification to be able to do um, it's a certified mental performance consultant where we're able to work with high performing, um, well, not even high performing, just youth athletics and different places because these, these places are where kids spend so much of their time in, in yeah, the, these activities right. and school's important. We're also working a lot. Uh, right now we have a contract with Bixby schools. And so we're going back into the schools and really trying to support teachers. And so I think it, the short answer to your question is I'm wanting to get beyond the walls of the therapy office and really try to meet kids where they're at, uh, mm-hmm. not only in school, but in, in these ac- extracurricular activities, because that's, that has so much impact on their day-to-day life and where they spend their time. That's sure. They're like, they're like second families. Absolutely. They are. If you had kids in any kind of activity, you know, you spend more time there sometimes than you do at home. And so uh, it is, it is a lot. And I, again, organically, I kind of got into it. We had a child that was a, is a college basketball player and played competitively in high school was an all state basketball player and then got a scholarship to college and uh, really struggled with his identity being wrapped up in, Hey, I'm this athlete. And then mm-hmm. when he, when it didn't go well, we saw him start to struggle or when it was going well, he was doing great, but really yeah. helping him extricate, who am I outside of this? And am I, you know, what do I have to offer the world outside of this? Because mm-hmm. our society really glorifies athletes and glorifies oh, yeah. what they do. And so uh, helping kids find, find their place. And that of course spills over into schools as well. We want to help kids feel seen and connected at school and, and work with some really great people uh, that are on the front line teachers that are, just do a tremendous job every day. Well, I, I, I want to really encourage uh, parents uh, that are listening um, today along those lines. When it comes to, you know, your kid's identity uh, and that connectedness, you know, like you talked about with the, the sports or the thing that they do well and, and how challenging that gets as they start to differentiate and become their own person, but they don't know how to do that. Sometimes that can be just so, and that, and I think that's a serious uh, contributor to the anxiety and depression that they're experiencing, like collectively is just like this expectation, you know, that they, mm. they are something or that they get it figured out. But what I've found so often in my own life and in, in the lives of all the people that I visit with is, is like that parents many times feel like they're unable to, and they might even have the tools, like they might be really great at working with people and, and, but their own kids are going through this sort of thing. And I think the role that 
teachers and youth workers and therapists play in creating a safe space, even when a kid's home is safe, Mm -hmm. that is an alternative um, where they can work that stuff out is, and I I get it. Not everybody has maybe the resource or the access. I I think that's a thing that we we need to work to change. Yes. But it's, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Because there's a lot of parents out there that are like, I, like, I think I kind of know what to do and I'm a good parent and I'm loving on my kids. And then they're, but they're like in distress. And I think the big difference too is that like in the 80s, you know, or the 90s or whatever, I mean, heck, the 60s, I don't know. <laughs> we're like, well, whatever. <laughs> um, that I guess that we were probably just a lot better collectively as families at tolerating that stress mm-hmm. and, and expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference now is that um, those stressors and those uh, situations where we have a real lack of identity going on and, uh, and, and, and our kids are in distress is it like suicide's an option. Yep. And, 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 the, and it's actually like a, something that they consider as a, like a valid thing. And, and so it tends to be this downward spiral of people feeling helpless, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, and I don't know that I have a question there. When Kristen said the other day, like I just in the podcast, I like to hear myself talk, which is what I'm doing. Now. <laughs> I have a comment though about that that I would I would add to that is not yeah. only are they they lacking identity, I think that what I hear from kids a lot, or just even people, is their perception that everybody else doesn't have that problem. No, amen. Yeah. Right. And that that's a you know a social media thing for sure. But mm-hmm. they say, oh, I, I talk to mil- millennials and, and high school kids all the time saying I'm the only one right. that feels this yeah. way. And of course, we we struggled with that as kids. I mean, that's developmental, right? Figuring yeah. out where you, where you fit. But then it's exacerbated. And I, I tell parents all the time, listen, when I was a kid, the, if you did something embarrassing, like the worst thing that happened is the five people that saw it talked about it. Right. But it was right. not on social media and no. plastered all over the world. And so there's this lack of safety of I can't mess up. I yeah. can't make mistakes. And not only that, not only can I not, nobody else is messing up and making mistakes. Or if they do, I watch what happens to them. Well, and I've really been impressed with as a parent to figure out how to, and this may sound like a really weird statement, but how to celebrate mediocrity. Absolutely. Like, like how to just like give a high five for just being average at something, right. like for just trying. Because mm-hmm. when you can take a picture 15 times before you put it on Instagram, the only thing you're ever seeing is perfect. And no one, A, no one's perfect. But when that's all you see in front of your face, Mm -hmm. um, I even see it and feel it like in the pressures as parents. Like when I look back to pictures from when I was in high school, the moms looked old. They looked like moms. And the pictures now of my high school, you know, high school kids and their moms, I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody looks 20. Why does everybody look 20? Um, Because we don't know how to be. (laughs) We're not okay. Right. With, yeah. with mediocrity. We're not okay. We want to be the, the prettiest, the skinniest, the fastest, the bestest, the smartest, the funny, whatever. Um, I tell all people of, all the time all that I'm, I'm going to write a book uh, called, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm currently writing a book called uh, Great to Good. I love that. <laughs> great, I love that. Great to Good. And you Acceptance know. is Mac Daddy. That's your second <laughs> 
because it is, <laughs> even though no one says Mac Daddy anymore. Just like R- raise over, the roof, man. Go raise the roof. Forget dabbing, which is also old. Um, <laughs> like I feel like I'm with my people now that you're saying all yeah, this. Like, like I feel like the solidarity. Daddy Mac will make you. Um, but <laughs> like this, it's. I think the other thing too is it's a. It's so much a both and world that everyone's living in everything like you're saying when we did something embarrassing in high school it lived in the minds of the five people that saw it well now Mm -hmm. it lives forever on the internet but also there are this there's this other side to their lives where nothing lives nothing lasts everything's gone in 24 hours Mm -hmm. and so it's it's it you you can keep it and you can't you it's a very it's using well, time, to me, I would you, imagine. When you, when you talk about that and we think about our kids and the kids of those that we serve, like the answer that I was given when I, when I was 24 and starting in ministry work and, and then when I started doing trauma work and I had, I'd have these kids that had a diagnosis of reactive attachment disorder and things like that. And a lot of people would say, well, there's really nothing that you can do except a safe, connected relationship. Like, and I don't know that I believe there's nothing we can do to be helpful mm-hmm. necessarily. Like I, I wouldn't sure. be fa- like fatalistic like that, but, but, but is, but the idea that uh, like a, a relational, like a foundation of relational connectedness, either in therapy or, or helping families learn how to accept and connect and create safe spaces for people to, to be themselves and then grow from that. Like we, we've got to help people do that more. Like that mm-hmm. is the thing. Like, you're going to be okay. I got you. Um, and, and help people, um, like help their, help their brain chemistry, create some new pathways mm. that, that's, that says, wait, wait, I, I am okay. And there are safe places in this world. And then therefore I can risk and I can live, you know, mm. yeah. relationships. Right. Right. Hey, Chris King here. Uh, this is our part where we, we have sponsors and talk about things that are going on. Our primary sponsor is Chris King Counseling, uh, which makes this possible. Uh, but we hope to have other folks involved as well, uh, letting people know about their services and, and folks that support what we do. Uh, the, the one thing we want to let you know about right now is our spring retreat that we have, which is called Wholehearted Help, the Spring Gathering. Uh, it's an emphasis on self-care and the outdoors. And this is what we do every spring. That's kind of our emphasis and when we put together a retreat. It's for all professional helpers, not just mental health people. We gather at New Life Ranch, Flint Valley, over by Silent Springs, Arkansas. Uh, it's that, That's in Oklahoma, just a couple of miles from the Arkansas state line. There are two three-hour CE classes. Uh, one is the Ethics of Self-Care, and the other is uh, Ecotherapy 2023, uh, t- people in my field, uh, LPC, psychologists, different folks like that, have to get those CEs in to renew their license every year. So we have six hours of that. Thursday is the first day. Uh, it'll be all day long. It'll, it'll, we'll gather together. We'll do the self-care experience. And we will graduate towards dinner in downtown Siloam Springs, which is beautiful. Uh, we'll follow it up with the campfire time. It'll go late into the night for some. Others will just enjoy a quiet night, sleep-free from normal responsibilities. So uh, the next day, we do the ecotherapy experience, uh, and then we move into lunch. And, and this is out uh, at New Life Ranch's 1,000 acres uh, in the beautiful River Valley. 
and the afternoon is free for folks to rest and recreate there. Um, there's also an option for an additional night stay for folks who just want more time away or to do some solo planning and restoration. You should be able to sign up on our website by February 1st or just contact us at info at chriskingcounseling.com to get connected. Last year was awesome. Uh, every single person that was there gave big positive feedback and We'll try to include some of that stuff in some future ads. We want you to come so we can connect, support, and get to know you <laughs> May 4th, 5th, and 6th for Wholehearted Health this spring. And I know we, you know, I talked a little bit about our intern program and we have really great interns, but part of it is coming out of school. They're very concerned with what technique am I using? Like, how am I, how am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. And I, I've told them over and over again as therapists, but then also I just think as people is just stop trying to do something and be the human in the room, just Mm -hmm. be the human in the room. And I feel like we're losing that, that, that sense of, you know, looking at people and saying, how are you doing? And really, how are you doing? Not the right. like, like uh, answer and noticing, hey, I'm noticing you're not yourself or you're not okay. And, and um, doing that is something that I think we're losing. And it, part of that was the pandemic and the isolation, of course. But we haven't come back mm-hmm. to it in a way. Mm-hmm. We've come back to the world, but we haven't come back to connection. It's getting worse, in my opinion. But hopefully, again, to your point of wanting to tell people, hey, I've got you. So we look at in our office, hey, we may only see, you know, 100 people in a week, but we can help those 100. And then the ripple effects to the, their family, hopefully, are bigger. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we've got to remember that. I mean, a lot, a lot of us feel helpless that we're, we're missing, um, you know, all these other people that we can't help. But like when, when, when we are sitting across from that person, that we are in, we are in an act of acting sort of as an image bearer of God, we are in a creative, mm. we're in a creative act. We're in a thing that is making something. We're creating life, um, at least giving our own little contribution towards it. And it has a, a ripple effect um, that makes a big difference in the world. I think that's what we got to be about. Um, real fast question for Kristen and Chris, both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for parents listening to this, I think the biggest fear that a lot of, or one of the top five fears that parents, as parents, we walk around with is, oh man, I'm going to miss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I missed it. There were signs and I didn't, I didn't notice how, and I know we're, time but quickly do you give help a parent uh assess the difference between normal and clinical right because like there's a lot of things that teenagers do that like you check all the depression boxes but really you're just being a teenager (laughs) like (laughs) you're moody you're tired you're eating weird you're sleeping weird whatever um but like what are some quick tips for things to look out for watch out for that when it's crossed the line from normal to this is a problem i, um, I will i'll let our guest lead with that one and then I'll... <laughs> well i want i want to say two things about that because i have the i missed it conversation a ton of times every week and yeah, so I, I do want to talk about that for a second uh one thing that i tell parents with that is hey listen you're gonna miss things as a parent, you cannot be 100% attuned to every person in your life all the time. It's just yeah. gonna, not going to happen. So, but kids needs are like a merry-go-round. If you miss one, there's another one coming. <laughs> so you just get on the next one. You just get yeah. on at the next, at the next stop. So noticing and being aware is one thing. But what I tell parents is, is 
that it may, when, when you feel like your child is, their anxiety and depression is interfering with their ability to cope in normal life uh, to the point where the things that you're doing and saying aren't, aren't really helping that. And you see a downward spiral. So, um, you know, I have a child right now who struggles. And so, you know, we worked and we did as much as we could. And then we, he really was just at a place where the things that we knew to do weren't helping anymore. Mm. And so yeah. that's when we sought out, sought out a therapist. Sometimes kids now will ask. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> with a kid saying, hey, I want to talk to somebody and then going yeah. in. Um but, and I hear more often, even the other way where parents will say, or kids will say, I've wanted to see somebody for a while. And parents have said, no, you're fine. Oh, um, and so, oh, yeah. um, so I think just recognizing clinically when it be, when it's interfering with your life to a point where daily functioning is really hard mm. and you're not able to like kind of go about your life. Um, and then I also, as a mom kind of, you know, I have a mom network, I call it of all my mom friends and like, Hey, where that we can be really real with each other of like, Hey, where's your kid? struggling and kind of seeing what is developmentally normal. Um, yeah. But I never fault a parent for coming in my office and saying, hey, we're not sure if this is normal or not, <laughs> but right? we're concerned. And so we say, yeah, sometimes I'll see a kid for a while and say, I think we're kind of in normal territory here, but you've yeah. checked it out. So, Yeah, I think I would agree with all that. I, uh, I, I do think that, uh, you, you know, Kristen, you're highlighting the value of community where you can where you're not afraid you have friends and people that you can bounce things off of that are in your, in your world. And, you know, many of our, you know, our church communities provide this, but even in those other social settings where, mm-hmm. you know, people might not do that as much like for us. I mean, we, we, we ride bikes with people and we have a lot of friends that are, that love the outdoors and bikes and like they're in a lot of same developmental stages. And so, you know, talking about our kids in ways that respect them and honor them, but also uh, sharing our struggles um, mm. h- helps us under uh, kind of, you know, a little bit about what's more, more normal. I, th- I, th- I do think a word of advice that I give to most parents is just like, don't panic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, panic's yeah. not going to help you here. Um, uh, this is a, this can be a challenging and difficult time. Um, and, uh, but what if that was normal? I mean, have you ever done something in your life that was difficult, but worth it? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we try to we try to reset kind of their own emotional status towards it and then look for just, you know, for for more physical um, demonstrative signs that if someone's really in trouble and truly like getting someone into a therapist like that, that assessment can help because the therapist can be can fulfill a little bit of a more of a mentoring coaching role. Like that's mm. a more of a soft role, but, a, but some space that's away from home to help them figure a couple things out. Like, or like they can kind of have their, their ears attuned to what might be more serious issues that then they can address uh, again in, in relationally helpful ways and also have their eyes open for emergencies. Cause that can happen. Yeah. And so I, I, and people are like, well, should we come in? I'm like, the answer is yes, come in and right. uh, let us, you know, let us join you uh, in a in a non-judgmental, like supportive way. We are on your side. One of the beauties of therapy is like is the confidentiality um, and and the ethics that are involved in our licensure process, and that is uh, that protects uh, people and it protects kids, and and it, it can give them a space to uh, just to figure some stuff out and 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 to feel heard, uh, even if the family is really trying to do a good job of hearing them. You know, right. Some, right. sometimes it's just the perception of the kid. 
uh, or of the adult child of, of parents or, I mean, heck, I've, I'm working with people that are in their 60s that have lifelong of this and they're, you know, they're, their parents are aging out of life and that's, we're still talking about that. And so yeah. we've got to be able to, um, to, to relate in ways that can, that can help them. And is that line fuzzy, Allison? For sure. It's yeah. fuzzy. Um, but we want to even then use words like helpful. What, you know, what is helpful and what is not and address, uh, address the system regarding that. So yeah. that's my two cents on that. Like, mo- yeah, a lot the answer, like the answer, is it just being a teenager is always yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like, no, yes. Uh, 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 is it, is it, are, are there different ways of looking at it beyond just being a teenager? I mean, possibly, possibly yeah. let's have that conversation and check it out. Right. Yeah. Right. Just don't panic. Right. And then yeah. we're back to the family system stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. I, as someone who for years and years personally struggles have struggled with anxiety. I finally got to a place where I don't love my anxiety, but I accept it. I accept it's a part of me. I've got tools that I know what to do when it pops up. Now, now my new goal in my new thing I get to work on is I'm learning to accept my child's anxiety <laughs> that, the, for, yeah. the, for them, with them, alongside them. Um, and, you know, we just are, we're like uh, Kristen here. We're just going to be lifelong learners. That's but the not, way to do not it. Not all of us are going to get certificates. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are just going to get wrinkles, and that's fine. Well, and I will <laughs> say, I will say that one of the things I hear from kids a lot is when they when they do bring something to me that that maybe we need that's bigger than just average stuff. We'll talk about, and I always say, well, let's talk. What do you think about talking to your parents about that? One thing I hear more than more than I'd like to is, oh my gosh, they're going to freak out. They're going to freak out. And, and I don't think it comes from a place that parents really want to freak out. It's that great panic and love for your kid that makes Mm -hmm. you go, oh my gosh, I have to help. And it mobilizes us. But kids perception is that we're freaking out and we can't handle it. And Mm -hmm. so I always, you know, we work through that. You need to develop a really good calm face. (laughs) (laughs) because if you freak out they're gonna say oh my mom or dad can't handle this everyone needs to start playing poker 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 face yeah (laughs) then we'll be prepared yeah uh we're gonna wrap up Kristen. uh what is it that you want people to know how can we contact you guys uh how uh what's what's your parting info for us that we can know how to access you uh Easy to get us on the web, mostly, is just connectandrestore.com, just spelled out, C-O-N-N-E-C-T and the word and, and then restore.com. And then we have, uh, of course, Facebook pages and all Instagram and stuff that we promote different events. We're getting right off our Circle Security Parenting at the end of February, and we do that once a quarter. Highly recommend that to parents who want to come out for it. Um, and uh, that's and the way that, to get us. Is that for parents of, like, kids of all ages, or is it geared more towards younger, or...? It's set up with the intention to do younger children, but the way we teach it, we think it's lifelong parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we always, when we teach it, weave in teen parenting. For me, I didn't even have access to it till I was a teen parent. And right. for me, it's been the single biggest game changer for me in my own parenting to do that. So Very cool. we, we weave it all in. You, my friend, are doing great work. Keep doing it. You got Hey, back at you. Back at you. Yeah. So... Well, we appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, thank you. Thank you for your time today. Oh, my pleasure. Always great to talk to you. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good.
Thanks. Okay. Bye. 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 Okay, Allison, you want to wrap up a little bit here while I got you? Yeah. I mean, I th- I think it's like you said. I think we could talk. You could do a whole podcast with just her or just people like her and talk about those topics. I think it's. I think the the gap between parents right now and the the childhood they think they had or feel like they experienced versus the childhood they think their kids are having if the gap feels so huge that I think that in and of itself creates its own version of like panic and anxiety and oh my gosh what's wrong with my kid what's wrong with me what's wrong with the world yeah and in some ways when you boil them all the way down the problems are very very similar yeah but we're going so fast we just can't even like we can't even see it. And so I, and we have attention issues, all of us, but I think the more opportunities we have for people to listen to stuff like what Kristen and you were talking about, I think it just, I don't know. It helps everybody go, okay, we're going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. We, we, I don't know about that whole manifestation thing, but like, that's a thing to manifest. That's a thing to put out there, right? Like this is going to be okay. Cause it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, when we're not going to be okay, like we are not, Right. And when, when, when we are like, we, we kind of are, even when it's not okay, we find, we find ways. It's like, what, what does it mean? You know, like your anxiety and your, the anxiety that your kids experience. Well, what does it mean? I mean, like, cause at, at the root level, like if they're being human beings, so are you. Right. And so like when you've learned how to accept your anxiety and you're like, oh, it's just information. Like that's a powerful tool to be like, okay, I hear you. I mean, yeah, that's, it's, and it's massive. Realizing which has taken me literally till like about 30 minutes ago uh, to, <laughs> to realize like the goal for all of us is not to never feel anxious right. or to never feel depressed or to never feel fill in the blank. That's not, that's not the goal. Cause it's not, that's not an option. It's not a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing, but, but the goal is to know what to do or where to go when you feel fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, what are some things that we can do to, to be intentional, um, like paying attention to what we're paying attention to, these kinds of things that can maybe help form and, and shape and shift some of our thoughts that I think do directly ultimately sometimes affect our automatic emotional responses to things. But the goal is not to never feel blank but to just know what to do and where to go when you do. If I'm not doing life wrong, if I feel nervous or if I feel anxious or if I feel overwhelming sadness, like that maybe that doesn't mean I'm just screwing it all up. Um, That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, many years ago before we were, had, I had these pocket pocket measuring sticks that we all carry around. (laughs) um, We were just like, man, hard day. Yeah. You want some, like, you want a sandwich? (laughs) and i I think that i think that would be that and and i'm not really talking about a return to the good old days but i will say this you know like that like the like the 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 research like trauma research basically one of the the big ideas out there is just that the evolution of our brains and our bodies just haven't kept up with technology yeah and so that's why you know we're we're highly kind of highly triggered which is an overused word and so um, I, I think that it's, it's incumbent upon us as people that are leading our families to help our kids learn how to find spaces that aren't saturated with information and activity. Okay, guys, that was awesome. And I just want to give 
Big time thanks to Kristen Hale and her whole team at Connect and Restore. If you're needing neurofeedback services, therapy like we do, trauma-informed stuff, um, they do a whole variety of incredible work, and I am proud to call her a colleague. I want to thank Maggie King for her tireless work in helping us uh, get the word out about what we do at Chris King Counseling. Maggie's doing just an awesome job of, of helping us produce and promote this work as well as many other people um, out there. Just thanks, Maggie, for your work. I want to thank Allison Myers, and she's just one of the funniest and coolest people that I know, so I want to thank Allison for her work. Um, lastly, I just want all of you guys to know uh, we appreciate you. Um, be good and be thankful, and we're looking forward to seeing you on the next podcast. We're out. We'll see you.